Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. Our first connection started with Gary and I were visiting his first ever boss and mentor, who's been a huge, um, influential person in his life. And I had always connected well with his wife. We had gone on previous trips before, um, but staying with them and uh, having that additional, like quality time, her and I started getting into deep conversation very quickly. And um, I found out for the first time how connected we are on all of the inner work and learning about the metaphysical and healing our bodies and our previous traumas. And um, the boys were, you know, on the golf cart somewhere. So gave us plenty of time to connect. And, and she started telling me that her next door neighbor, which is you was a Reiki healer and the success she had had with that. And I had known about Reiki before um, really in the last few years have, as I have awakened to more holistic community, but I had never tried it before. And I'd ar- always been curious I said, oh, gosh, it would be wonderful if she were around and I could get a session. And so, um, yeah, we contacted you. Luckily, this was before all your travels and um, you happened to be around. And uh, we I think it was like the next day you were able to come over. It was. Yeah. So if you want to talk about how you got into Reiki and uh, what that session entailed and, and more about your background as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Reiki is a form of energy healing, and basically I tap into its non-touch. I'm about three inches above your body. I channel life force energy, and so I'm just the vessel. It goes through me into you, and basically it removes energy, or it moves energy around, and it allows your body to begin to heal itself. And so basically, um, I tap into it. It throws, flows through my body into yours. Um, I got into it. I've always known about Reiki, and I've always been fascinated with all forms of energy healing. But it wasn't until 2020, when I had some downtime due to COVID, that I really started reading about it and really being called to it. So I got certified level one in 2021. And as soon as I began practicing it on friends and family, I realized, wow, like not only do I enjoy doing Reiki and being that conduit for others, but I love witnessing the magic when others receive Reiki. Mm. Um, I'm now a Reiki master. And Yay, <laughs> thank you. And I also do um, two other forms of energy healing. I'm a emotion code and body code practitioner as well. Um, those are other forms of energy by removing um, stored emotions from your body through your meridians. Very cool. And that there's the I know of the book Emotion Code. So is yep. that uh, go along with all the teaching? Absolutely. Yeah. So the 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 book, the body code is for you as a consumer to read it, to understand how um, through life we store Um, emotions, lower vibrational emotions in our body, and how those continue to stay in um, various parts of our body and vibrate, and they turn into pain, disease, um, things like that. And then if you want to become a practitioner, there's formal training 
um, emotion codes level one, body code is level two. And soon by the end of the year, um, I will be taking belief code training where we can remove limiting beliefs from the body. Oh, very cool. Pretty fascinating. You said something there that I hadn't really considered before, that it is lower vibrational uh, energy that is trapped, which can then lead to dis-ease. Yeah. And, and so what about the, the, the positive energy ones? Like what does that have the same kind of effect, but in a positive way on our body or? Yeah. So I use the word lower vibrational. So technically they're negative emotions, but I don't believe that there's positive and negative emotions. They're just different vibrational. Um, and so as we go through life, we experience an emotion, um, Normally your body can process it and it leaves your body, but through, you know, difficult situations or big T trauma or, um, you know, times where we're not healthy, we Mm -hmm. will store lower vibrational bodies. They, they, they get stuck, um, sometimes in our, in our tissue, in our joints, and they just vibrate continually at that lower vibrational. So even as we go through life, if it's stagnant, just by, it just vibrates um, at a lower vibrational level than mm-hmm. the rest of the rest of the body. Um, and then that turns into dis-ease. Sure. If it's not yeah. cleared, if it's not cleared. Yeah. And so your work is to clear it. Yeah. The work is to clear it. And, you know, um, I'm a life coach as well. So what I like to do with my clients is, you know, consciously, um, we're helping change their mindset, their, um, you know, setting goals, moving forward, but there's subconscious baggage that we may be handle, you know, carrying as we go through our journey. So that's where the Reiki and the emotion code and body code, we can release those subconscious things that we're holding on that we have no idea that that's holding us back. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. So cool. Okay. So what is that when you're working with the energy of somebody's body, what does that look like? Like if for those of us who've never been able to visualize it, what kinds of things do you see, feel? Yep. Just give an example about my, my hearing. Okay. I was going to give an example of your hearing, or I could give example of Lindsay as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I will give your example with Reiki and then Dean, um, he's my first client for emotion code and body code. Um, so Lindsay, our, our first interaction, um, you had a Reiki energy healing. Um, and as soon as, um, so just to some background, I knew nothing about you except you were Lindsay and you were visiting from Minneapolis and you were my neighbor's friend. And so sessions started, um, and I put my hands on you and what does that look like? Immediately, um, my throat got a little, um, little tingly and my stomach got a little tight. And so that's your throat chakra and your solar plexus. It's um, like you're stepping into how I feel a lot of the times. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what that feels like me, it seems it's like tightness, it's tingling. Um, I, I feel a lot. And so I felt with you, it was this excitement and this, uh, like this, uh, I don't want to do it. So I don't know if that <laughs> resonated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw, this is really interesting. Sometimes I, I see like a movie in my mind's eye. Um, I saw two bunnies. Um, one bunny was very excited. I saw like a path forward and the bunny was so excited. It was almost like running towards the future. Like I saw like a horizon. I was very excited, but it was tied um, with a rope 
to a bunny that was lower in the in the path on your solar plexus and that bunny its feet was on the ground it was not interested in moving forward at all and so it was literally holding back the bunny that wanted to move forward um and um I am working on really um, being confident in what I see, even though it may not make sense to me to relay that message in a way that my clients can understand it um, and not being afraid to like, hey, I'm, I'm seeing bunnies like that may not necessarily make sense to me. Um, I did relay that to you. You were like, yep, you know, I I resonate with that. You know, please continue. But you really didn't give me too much affirmations or confirmations <laughs> that I was on the right path. Um <laughs> And so what that looked like during the session, it really was balancing the throat chakra and the solar plexus so that there was a balance. And through that healing, I feel the energy leaving through um, to me into you. That feels like heat. It feels like coolness. It feels like just different. I feel the vibration through my body as it goes to you. Um, you were able to confirm patients or patients, clients will feel heat coolness, sometimes like electrical sensations. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so, and sometimes clients are like, I don't really feel anything, but I do feel a sense of calmness. Um, mm. All of the above is what you can expect from energy healing. Um, it, yeah, there were, it was a tingling warm sensation in my feet. And, you know, as you're telling the story, I just get the biggest chills and if, uh, if for people just listening, not watching video, I'm, I'm also like cheesy smiling because it was so spot on to everything that I was going through, but you didn't know that at the time. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the session, it was kind of like a, like a cartoon. Like it really, I heal and just kind of, as I'm healing, I'm watching like a movie or a cartoon. And so at the end, the, the bunnies, the, the cord was no longer connecting them. They were now together and they literally hopped forward into the horizon. They, they moved forward. And what I love about that is I, I gave you that message. We ended the session and we really didn't speak too much after that. And then the next day, our neighbor hosted a Super Bowl party. And that's where you and I really connected. And that's where you told me, this is what I do. This is what my podcast is about. And, you know, your platform allows other people to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And so if you didn't have this podcast, people wouldn't be able to tell their story. And so like, you're, you're the conduit and you were able to like, tell me like, that was really, you know, I resonated with that healing. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. And it, it, I was wrestling so much with having that face forward because even though I'm, I'm, here to share people's stories. I'm putting a lot of myself out there too. Um, but I've had, you know, intuitives in the past say, you have so much in here. And if you don't get it out, like it's going to, it's going to cause you dis-ease. And I, I knew that. And I knew like I had this desire to just uh, bring stories forward and connect with people. But there was such a part of me, I'm sure it was my ego, whatever, you know, inner child stuff um, that was that was slowing down the process and, and it wasn't allowing me to fully step forward. Um, so in in that session with you uh, there, you gave me some tools as well to how to continue to connect my throat chakra, my solar plexus. And so I want you to know before I go into recordings, I do that. Oh, wow. 
I'm, I'm really focusing on connecting the two because I know if I'm speaking my truth and, you know, from my heart, um, that however it lands with people, I'm okay with because that's, that's who I am and that's my truth. So, um, thank you so much for that. What a gift. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love it. And that's the thing with energy healing. One, one session can move energy to allow a person to move forward. Like it's yeah. sometimes, sometimes it is literally one session and the client gets what they need and they just move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I have some clients with some, you know, some pretty heavy physical. And so I, I see them on a regular basis. Um, but it, in that case to me, I imagine it like peeling an onion, right? Every, yeah, yeah every, um, every session is something a Reiki heals at the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level. And, uh, mm. it, it's a very smart form of energy healing to know what the, what the client needs. It is. And I, uh, I would imagine that, uh, the amount of openness that a client would have could play a part in it too. Um, I know I'm a, I've always just been very open to all sorts of, uh, opinions or ideas, or, um, I've I had a masseuse tell me once that I was, I'm the most relaxed, uh, client they've ever had. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I receive well, maybe it's the baby of the family that I'm, I'm used to receiving. I don't know. Um, and so, uh, I, I think it's important too, for people to go in to just really open themselves up to the possibility of what, uh, what gifts that can be given them in that session. Absolutely. You, you've definitely had some closed off clients too. Some of my friends that she's worked with are, they came in completely closed off, like didn't want to do it. Didn't care to hear about it. Didn't believe it. Didn't believe no. it. One in particular, I mean, huge six foot five, you know, like manly man, burly guy and sat down and, and she's like, what, you know, what can I heal? And he goes, well, my knee's been hurting me for years and all that. And, and he sat down and he goes, it literally told her this, nothing, this isn't going to work. So, I, but I'll do it because my wife told me that I should try it. And <laughs> we sat down, she put her hands like, you know, not even touching him. And he started crying immediately, mm. just broke down emotionally and just absolutely lost it. And mm-hmm. we're like, wow. Oh wow. That was very awkward. Very, un- then, very uh, unexpected. Yeah. And then he wow. did that. We didn't say a word. I was in the like adjacent room, but I could hear him crying. And mm. then at the end of it, he just, He's like, oh my gosh, I feel so peaceful and Mm -hmm. got up and his knee was feeling good. And he kept apologizing, going, I don't know where this emotional release came from. And and then she told him, like, hey, it's uh, emotional, physical. She goes, I didn't just go to fix your knee. Right. And uh, and it was, uh, you know, there's too many stories about that. It was just really amazing. Well, and I love that he said, you know, my wife said I need to do this um, because what he probably doesn't realize is his higher self probably brought him in just as much as his wife, you know, guided him into exactly. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's things like that. I mean, throughout her journey, it's not that she just went, got certified and goes, oh, I, I can do this. 
it didn't really work out that way. I mean, she started doing it. Well, she started with me as a guinea pig. And, <laughs> and, yeah, I want to hear that story too. And it's it's not something. So I didn't even know what to expect. And then you immediately feel the energy. Like our our, our youngest son calls it. You feel, I feel like I'm in an air fryer. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the hands are not even near you, and you feel the energy coming through. And I used to, you know, I had some stomach issues and I would shut my eyes and literally see when I'm shutting my eyes, colors swirling and my stomach would make like all kinds of sounds. Like they weren't making sounds until she put her hands over. And then it it was just really, and then she goes, really, I can't believe that that worked. And then with each new client and each new step, She's like, well, that worked too. Well, well, that worked too. And and just to the point where she is now, and she built that confidence because at first she's like, oh, I can't do this. Sure. As most people have the imposter syndrome whenever they start something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. she, I don't think you've even had a client that was like, oh, no, that didn't work. I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Every, every client was like, you know, I felt a sense of calm. Uh, you know, some people had like chronic pain in different joints and they haven't had it since. Uh, one of my friends that was also very reluctant uh, had massive amounts of vertigo, like issues with vertigo all the time and was going to go on a, a motorcycle ride through the state of Arizona to the Grand Canyon and all that, and which is terrible if you have vertigo. Right. And, uh, and she worked on him for a little bit and he had almost no vertigo. It went from a... He said like an eight, an it eight, went to a two. Went to like a two and had no problem this whole trip. And mm-hmm. was like, it's amazing that it'd been years since he'd had such great balance. And mm-hmm. and uh, and he was very reluctant. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so wow. he, she's making believers along the way. And But I like her going into it. She's like, I know they're going to feel something. They're going to get something out of this. And if they say no or not, then great. They don't have to, they don't mm-hmm. have to, to come back. It's. Are, are people um, inquisitive about what it is that you're releasing? Are they, are they asking? Or are they kind of just like, whatever that was, I'm just glad it's gone. Or what yeah. Kind of do you get? Yeah. With the Reiki, it really is more of a, I think of it as a, I'm just the conduit you're going to get whatever you're what you need. And I asked my clients kind of what you said, just be open-minded. We're not going to guide it and tell it like, you know, it's the knee pain. If I have pain at the end of the session, then it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. It's very much a Reiki is more of a, I'm just a witness to it with the body code and emotion code. It's working with your conscious and your subconscious mind. So the client comes in and says, whether it's shoulder pain, whether it's, you know, anxiety or whatever, it's consciously, this is what I want to release. Um, And on a scale of zero to 10, when we start the session, they rate it. Then through muscle testing, we tap into the subconscious because your subconscious knows in this session, what do I need to release today that will help me move forward in what my subconscious wants? Right. And so I think of it like when you think of like a, like a river with like a log that's like jammed, it may be one negative stored emotion. You relieve, you move it out and your energy starts to flow. And so 
Yep. So emotion code and body code, it really is the client wants to know and we're able to tell it what emotion we released, where was it? Um, sometimes we can tap in and get how old they were, what the scenario was, um, very specific. Um, and so that's the example for you. Um, as I was getting certified for body code, Dean was my guinea pig, as you said. Um, and he wanted to work on, he had some congestion. And so, um, we needed to do three sessions and in like session two, he had an imbalance in like your like inner nasal passage, something. And when I removed that negative emotion from his nasal passage, the next, within a couple hours, he was like, oh, like the congestion went away. The pot, another thing that benefited from it, talk about your inner, you want to tell about this? Oh, one? yeah. Years and years ago, I mean, I was like a teenager. I had a uh, scuba diving incident where I burst my right eardrum. And ever since, if I go to the doctor for a physical or uh, I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor, uh, they would look in my ear and the first thing they would say on this ear, they'd go, Oh my. And I'm, they're like, can you even hear out of that ear? And I'm like, no, not really. They're just barely. And, uh, and it, it been like that for years. And I, the ear, nose and throat specialists and all that, they're like, yeah, there's really nothing we can do. You know, eventually you'll lose all hearing in that ear and you'll have to have like a hearing aid or, or do whatever. And, so I just kind of like lived with it. And then I literally was like telling myself the story that, Oh, that, that ear is toast. Like I'm done. I'm never going to hear out of that ear. Mm-hmm. And then she did this body code and emotion code and was able, I can't even remember it, what she found. And like, uh, she gets very detailed on, on like what is causing it, what your thoughts are and, and what part of your anatomy is causing the issue. And she goes, yeah, there's a blockage. And you had an inner ear imbalance, inner ear imbalance. And, and then, so she cleared it. And I would say I was hearing maybe my hearing was probably at 10% or less in that ear. And with like one session, by the end of the session, it it was probably about 70%. I could hear and, and easy test. I mean, I could, like block off my left ear and what can I hear now? And it was just absolutely amazing. I was like, but like shocked. Yeah. And, uh, but what was amazing is during that session, he didn't come to me for the ear because he had been living with it so long. The session was the congestion. Yeah. And I don't even come. Yeah. I was at a point where I I don't even complain about the ear because that's written off. You had just learned to live with that. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, there's like this imbalance and, and, uh, but the thing to note, though, is if if in these body code and emotion code and in the healing, it's not a one shot you're fixed in the in the fact that if she identifies like where well, you're storing this like negative emotion about your childhood from this specific event and it's in your subconscious and you're thinking about it or you have this anxiety over it if you don't like do the work to get rid of that, it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to restore that energy in the same joint or place in your body that it it's going to absolutely come back. So it's the, the thing, like if you lose weight, 
because you're working out so much. If you stop working out, you're going to gain weight. Right. Like, simple as that. So yeah. the same thing, you have to do the work to not go back to those old thoughts or anxieties or habits or else it's going to just go right back to the same joints and same, you know, and cause disease. And that's, you know, yeah. Kind of like what you were saying, Lindsay, we did the energy healing. We moved that energy, but every time you go to interview somebody on your podcast, you tap into your throat and your solar plexus, Mm -hmm. right? And by you tapping into that, you're moving that energy around. Right. Yeah. And Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and you said something there too, I wanted to come back to because clearly you had a physical trauma with scuba diving where, you know, a lot of people could say, well, yes, I can understand on the physical level why he had an eardrum issue. But from what I know about emotional trauma and the metaphysical is that you can have something that has started in your body um, from trapped trauma and something physical will exacerbate it and it will almost allow you to like it's your body signal saying hey we need attention right here um and and it's typically how traditionally we don't look to those warning signs or those ringing alarm bells as anything other than i need to fix this ear but so this was probably this was something you discovered that had was underlying that that injury that had started a long time before then. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, exactly that. And like my mindset at the time was probably like, I don't know what, what it could have been, but to not fix it. Yeah. You you almost gave up on it. Yeah. And you hear these stories of like, you know, uh, soldiers and, and different people that they get in really bad accidents that the doctor said, yeah, physically you're never going to walk again. Yeah. Well, they do the work and work on their energy and they're positive and they end up walking again. Mm-hmm. Or you could not be positive about it and you're going to be in a wheelchair your whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and and it has nothing to do physically. Like your legs are wrecked either way, but it's a way of, you know, if you have the positive energy and you go out and do the work and figure out what's blocking you and you think you're going to definitely walk again, you're going to, you're going to end up walking again. And it's the same with my ear. I think I just wrote it off and was like, I'm never going to hear again. That was my story. I kept sticking to it. And your subconscious, your body, your subconscious is going great. Then we don't have to heal that. Like, like we're, <laughs> yeah. we're just going yeah, to leave it like that. We're not going to send any antibodies. We're not going to send anything to that ear because you're done with that ear. You already wrote us off, but, uh, yeah, she found like what was emotionally or physically blocking and, and, uh, it literally opened it up. It was just insane. It was like clearing your ear, you know, after getting off a plane or something and it just went, Mm. oh my gosh, now I can hear. And it was kind of weird because I felt like there was an echo. We had the TV on and I was like, I usually would turn my good ear towards the TV and I was like, oh my gosh, I can hear it out of both ears. What's going on? Wow. I can't imagine how amazing that felt. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, I was more shocked than anything. Like I went through the yeah. disbelief and shock and that was so crazy. And then I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. And yeah. And now it's just, it's just normal. Yeah. And, but I think 
if I go back into that, oh, I, the thoughts of, oh, I can't hear out of there, I think it would go back to being the way it was because there is physical damage there. Mm-hmm. But, wow. uh, but I think there's, there's things inside of our body, inside of our subconscious, that, and the energy that's stored in our body that can overcome some physical damages. Yeah. Speaking of disbelief that you had mentioned, uh, one of the things we talked about the day of the Super Bowl was um, how your belief system has changed over the course of, I don't know if it was the, your marriage or just things that have happened. And there were two specific stories that I recall that I would never forget. And I would love for the audience to hear um, one having to do with the reading that Anissa thought was going to be for her, but it turned out to be for you. Yep. Um, and then the other one that had to do with the, uh, the Starbucks run. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, okay. exactly. So <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so let's start by what has been your belief system of say, um, a, a higher power or, or there being anything other than this world prior to some of these experiences? Well, I was, I was raised like in a Catholic family. So, okay. uh, my grandmother and, uh, my, my mom and my, my dad was like an altar boy and all that. And, but I, I wasn't very, uh, very much a practicing Catholic because, uh, from a very early age, it, I didn't like to go to church and I was put into Catholic school early on and I rebelled against that. And so I think, you know, I believe in God and believe in Jesus and all, all that, but not to a point where it affects my every day and that I think about it all the time. But uh, I never thought anything about, I never believed in ghosts. I never believed in anything else. Afterlife? And it, Afterlife, I really didn't think about, and mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, when you're dead, you're dead, and nobody can come back, and just, you know, so I wouldn't say I was totally against all that stuff, but when people would talk about, oh, I think we saw a ghost, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just that's talk, <laughs> like you're just making stuff up, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I, I never really believed in anything, and then uh, it really until I met Anissa, and early on. Uh, she's always had a way of like attracting people. Like we'd walk somewhere. And I think the the first initial thing was we were in Laguna beach, California. And we're walking on the little mini boardwalk and uh, a, a homeless person just like walked up to her and gave her a rose out of, out of nowhere. And he kind of appeared out of nowhere. He kind of appeared out of nowhere and, and didn't, he, he wasn't like harassing people or talking to people or anything else. Just her. Just like, and he goes, a rose for a beautiful rose. And, and it gave, was like the most perfect rose. Yeah. Which were like, why would he have this rose? And it then, was, it was, yeah. And then throughout a relationship, s- several, I mean, too, too many to even name of people whose energy was, she just attracted these people to come up mm-hmm. and talk to her and all that. And, and I've always had like this offsetting my resting, like mean looking face. So <laughs> no one would ever talk to me, but they would come up to her and start like telling the life story and all this. And, and to the point of, you know, just not even like a year and a half ago, we're in target walking around and in the Magnolia area where they have like all the, you know, stuff. And this lady just out of the blue 
her and her daughter walked beeline straight up to her, stood right in front of her and started telling her, they didn't even say hi to each other, started telling her about her story and all her ailments, her ailments and cancer and all of this stuff. And I don't know what to do. It's like this, like weird, like these people are being called to like come to her and talk to her. So it's her aura. There's no question. Yeah. And, and, and then it's the, been that way my whole entire life. And then there's, like, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll get to the, the story about the Starbucks and all that. But then one of the most shocking things is we went to the California state fair and it's in Paso Robles and, uh, and it's like a midsize fair and we walked in and we we're walking around and off to the the left, there was a like a psychic trailer. Like they had a trailer, and then there was a lady that was psychic. She's in the trailer and she's doing readings and stuff like that. And there's like five or six chairs out front of her trailer, and there's a line, and people are sitting in the chairs and they're next, you know, for her reading. And we're basically across a two-lane street on the on the opposite side of the street, and we're just walking straight. And we saw the psychic trailer, didn't mention it or anything, and we're just walking or doing our own thing. Well, then out of the corner of my eye, the psychic, she was giving a reading to somebody. She stood up, and I saw her walking across the street, the, the medium. And she walked across the street and stood right in front of us. And we were like, uh, hi. And she's like, I just had to come over here. She goes, I saw her aura and she goes, Oh my gosh. She goes, I've never seen anything shining so much. She goes, she goes, are you using your abilities? And Anissa's like abilities, what abilities? She goes, Oh, you're an amazing healer. And, mm. and you're, you're not using your ability. She goes, you need to tap into your ability. She goes, you're going to change people's lives. Well, and she grabbed and, my arm and she was yeah. holding her arm and, and all that. And she's like, Oh, you need to come do a reading. And then me being practical, I like looked over and I'm like, you've got like a line. I'm not waiting. <laughs> and, and there's a guy or a guy and a girl in sitting at her table in the middle of a reading. Oh, and so he got up and left her. He left her, her the reading that she was being paid for. Wow. And then, and then I looked at her. I'm like, yeah, we don't need to pay for a reading. I she don't says, know if this free. is a scam yeah. or whatever. And she goes, oh, no. She goes, this is free. Like, I'm honored to read you. And I was like, yeah, go yes. ahead. You all know I love stories. I also love adventure, nature, photography, and travel. Lake and Company magazine encompasses all of that. It is a socially conscious magazine carefully curated with a give back message that supports adventure, innovation, conservation, and community built around lake culture. You guys, Lake and Company magazines are gorgeous. The photography in these issues showcases unique places and events nationwide that make me want to pack my bags and head out for adventure. Not only that, they include powerful stories from people like you here on this podcast, everyday people who do something extraordinary to make the world a little brighter. Bonus, Lake & Company magazine was created in my beloved hometown, Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Head to thelakeandcompany.com and grab your subscription. That's thelakeandcompany.com. So to talk about the Reiki, I think she planted the seed. This was like, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. She said, you're going to be a healer one day. 
And I was like, a um, healer. Yeah, she went in, I stayed yeah. outside, and then watched all the pissed off customers wondering when she got up <laughs> at the line. And, uh, and yeah, she didn't pay this lady anything. And she came out and she goes, I don't know. She was like, she told me that I'm going to be some massive, powerful healer and affect people's lives and that I need to go do this. Yeah. And then gave her the, the one oddball thing that she threw in there. She told her that you're going to help people pass over and, mm. and be able to put people at ease and to calm like in their later stages of life. And uh, which is sort of yet to be seen, but you know, now in the community we're in, we're in an older community. Some of these people and a bunch of our clients are, mm -hmm. you know, in the last last quarter of their lives, basically. So, mm -hmm. uh, so it's sort of making sense now. But uh, so seeing all these little things and having my belief set, I was like, that's just weird. And but you can't like discount them. And so it it was, it slowly started. I, I, there wasn't like one day all of a sudden I believe it just started chipping away at like my beliefs until a point of something's going on here. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, we had that one in 2000. Yeah. Then, then we had experiences where, the uh, psychic medium at the uh, I, I, we went, we did a new year's Eve, uh, party where the the local radio station would have a party at a hotel for new year's eve and uh, this was like the, the early 2000s it was 1999 turning into 2000 yep and the a couple months prior my my uncle that i was very close to uh very much like a father to me uh passed away committed suicide and i was sort of stoic through the whole thing i mean i was very upset um, and we were, we were living in, in Washington state and this happened in California. And, uh, but I kind of just buried some of the emotions, you know, and, and didn't think about it too much and, you know, went to the funeral with, you know, was upset, but not like in an over, over, overly upset way. And, uh, and so we, we go to this party and there was a psychic there and she was sort of a famous psychic uh, for the area and she would be on the radio station every once in a while and people would call in and she'd give them like little uh, readings. And, uh, and so there was a line of people waiting to go see the psychic and it was part of the package. It was like included, you're not paying her anything. And uh, so we're in line, Anissa and I, and then two sets of friends behind us, you know, couples were behind us. And, uh, and we go and sit down in like this couch, love seat, and she's facing us. And, uh, and she goes, so, uh, what, what can I, what can I, uh, do for you? And, and, uh, and then Anissa starts, I, I'm not saying a word. Anissa starts going, oh, I want to know about kids. And I want to know about, <laughs> and she rattles off like five or five or six things. And then the psychic looks at me and she goes, yeah, we're not here for Anissa. We're here. I, I, I need to talk to you. Yeah. And she mm -hmm. goes, what, what do you want to talk to me about? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I'm good. Like, nothing. And she goes, you have a question. She goes, you have a question. And I'm like, no, I don't have a question. I'm, I'm good. Like, carry on with her, her questions. <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, 
she goes, well, your uncle's here. I'm like, my uncle? And she's like, yeah. And he wants to say he's sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I'm totally shocked. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, there's that throat shock. <laughs> yeah. <I> throw- <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was I was pretty shocked. Like, oh, well, what does he want to say sorry about? And then she looks right at me and she goes, he didn't know how bad he would affect you when he committed suicide. Mm. And then she proceeded to say every single detail. Every single detail. Every <clears throat> single detail. And it was just, she knew every detail. And I didn't say a word. I was, you were so by, by this time, yeah, I didn't say a word. I was crying uncontrollably. Like mm. all the emotion that I bottled up, just pouring out. And she was, she just kept talking. She, and, yeah. uh, and so it was so bad that, uh, the couple behind us, my friend, literally came over and just put his arm around me. He's like, are you okay? He's like, are you okay? I couldn't talk. And she's like, he's sorry. And this is what happened. And this is what his mindset was. And and uh, he saw no other way out. And uh, and there's nothing you could have done. And, and what was wild is the reason he said he wanted to speak to Dean was he wanted forgiveness because he was having trouble moving on. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah, wow. he said he couldn't move on and he needed for me to forgive him. And, and then she literally stopped and she goes, do you forgive him? He needs to, he needs to go. He needs to move on. And I'm like, yeah, I, I forgive him. And after hearing the whole mindset thing, I don't think I would have for, even brought it up or forgave him until that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that pretty much put a squash on the whole party for New Year's thing. Because I, <laughs> once I got up, I was shocked. I didn't tell her thank you or anything. Like, I couldn't talk. I walked away like a zombie. Just like, how does that happen? Like, she didn't know me. She didn't know Anissa. She, mm-hmm. And so then you chalk that back up to, like, there's something else out there. And there's some sort of the spirit – I mean, he had to have told her, like the spirit had to have been there to tell her that. Yeah. And and just, there was just so many details, like you can't find it on the internet. Like there was just so much. Yeah. Like, that was like yeah. early cell phone years. I mean, that was like, mm-hmm. there was no internet on your cell phone back then. So yeah. there was no way she knew anything. And just, mm-hmm. it was just, she was just locked in. Yeah. Like she knew. Even exactly specifics, like with conversations between family members. Yeah. Like, it yeah, she knew conversations. Yeah. yeah, who was involved with the situation, how he did it, where he did it. Uh, yeah, every single detail. I mean, it's like she read the police report or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, it was just really, really crazy. So, mm-hmm. uh, so walking away from that, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't go back to the same mindset of like, oh, I don't believe in this, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you have to believe that there's something going on there. You may not understand it. Yeah, I still but, don't right. really understand it to even this point, how that, that could happen. And I, and I didn't walk away like, oh, she's such a great psychic. It was more of what the heck just happened? <laughs> what the heck just happened? And how does the universe work mm-hmm. that she would know this from where did she get this information from? And she had to have gotten, gotten it from him because she literally said stuff that not even – Anybody else in my family knew, just he knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
so that that was a thing that also chipped away at, at my belief system. And, and then, I think that that's a, the big thing, really, is for people who are skeptical of anything, it's really just a, in, in my uh, experience, a, a lack of knowledge or, or experience with that thing. Exactly. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about bringing forward so many different uh, types of stories and and things people may not fully understand or appreciate because um, when you start to hear the stories behind these topics, it's not something foreign anymore. You see how this actually translate into humanity. And it's, I understand that unless it happens to you, people may not fully believe or appreciate it, but um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I never wanted to make anybody else believe it. I, mm-hmm. I could care less if, you know, I, I told my friends about it and, but I wasn't like, you need to believe it. Like, right. I don't care if you believe it or not. It, it happened to me. I was, I wasn't drinking that night. I totally experienced it. And, uh, and it's just, and I don't think I was even open to it. I was definitely not open mm-hmm. to hearing from my uncle, like not at all. Like I wasn't there to even hear from the psychic. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a question for her. I didn't even think about it. And he just pushed, pushed through her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't even believe you need to be, you know, spiritual and, and woo woo or out there to, for something like this to happen. And mm-hmm. it happens and you can't explain it, but you also shouldn't make a story on, well, she must've had a microphone or she might, you know, it's just you know, don't make up a, a story that's wrong to explain it. It just happened. And it, and there's a power that we just don't understand that, that made that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and then going further, so you that know, was, so the psychic was 2000. And then in 2014, my only sibling, my older brother, Blaine passed away. And um, he was like my, protector, my big brother. And so as soon as he passed, he passed away May of 2014. Um, the whole entire family started experiencing things for my brother. Yeah. And, and he was really close to the family. He lived with us for several years and, and he had some struggles with like, uh, alcohol addiction and, and things like that. So, um, but we were like a tight knit family. So when he had his struggles, I was always there to help him. And, uh, and we were like the the co-men of the house. Like he would help with the kids and help with baseball. And and it was just, you know, part of the... Like, it was part of our core family core unit. Core family unit. Yeah. And so when he passed, it was pretty... Devastating. De- it was really devastating. And then... Uh, but he was always into... And I think even back in the day, he had Reiki. Uh, you know, he was uh, half Japanese like Anissa is. And he had a friend that performed Reiki on him years and years ago, like in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And so he was always taught. He didn't know what was called Reiki. He said some guy did energy healing on me and it really worked. And, and he was always telling Nisa, like, we got to learn this. And, and there's stuff out there that we don't understand. And so he was like all into this. And to the point of, he would always tell her, like, if I pass, I'm going to send you signs and, and we're going to like be able to talk to each other. And, <laughs> 
And he was like so into this, way more than us. We were like practical and working, you know, nine to five jobs in the corporate world. And and he was kind of in and out of odd jobs all the time. So he had way more time to think about it than us. Like we were busy raising kids, working hard and all that. And he was fishing and having part-time jobs and living his best life. <laughs> so he had plenty of time to think about spiritual stuff and all that, where we were just like, hey, I just got to know that I'm up at 6 o'clock tomorrow and I'm going to work. <laughs> and uh, so then it came to a point where he did pass unexpectedly uh, due to medical condition. And, uh, and then immediately, you know – we started seeing signs that he wasn't fully gone. Like he was a huge, uh, Steve Miller man fan. And he really liked the song fly like an Eagle. And anywhere we drove, it didn't, we weren't like not even listening to stations that they would play that. And that would come on the station all the time. Mm. And she's like, well, that's really weird. Every, every day. Yeah. yeah. And his name was Blaine. And, uh, and we were driving in Seattle one day and, uh, we went through his old neighborhood. He, before living with us, he lived in a place in Seattle in the international district and we were driving home and the freeway was super crowded. There was some event going on downtown. So we started taking streets and she's like, Oh, it was really nice to see his old, old, uh, house and, and where he was living and. And we're driving and then she's like, oh, I really miss my brother. And, and I'm like, yeah, I miss him too. And all of a sudden, Fly Like an Eagle comes on the radio like clockwork. Immediately and then like that. we're in a part of Seattle. We're totally lost. We, we don't know all of Seattle. And, and we're driving, driving, driving. And she goes, I, w- I wonder if he's with us. This song comes on all the time. She goes, if you're really with us, you'd send us a sign. And she like, gets all sassy. I was telling him, like, if you're really with us, you need to give me a sign. You know, besides a song on a radio, I need to know something so specific that it's undeniable yeah. a sign from you. In the meantime, it's traffic in Seattle. We're someplace that we don't know. And literally doing, like, multiple, like, left-hand turn, we right-hand turn. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe if you go right here, we can get back to the freeway. <laughs> I don't know. And so we're driving around and we don't have any navigation on nothing. And all of a sudden we get down towards like Lake Washington. Where it tees. Uh, where it tees off. There's a road that goes left or right and it's a dead end. And he said, and, I'm lost. And yeah. and I go, I'm done. I don't, I don't know where we're at. Like I'm lost. I don't know if you, you go right or left. Like, I don't know. And, and I look to the left, just as I said, I need a sign so clear from you that you are here. And Dean's like, we're lost. I don't know where to go. It's right at sunset. There's Mount Rainier in the distance, which he loved to hike and fish. And we're right at the lake. And I looked next to next to us. We did not even know that this park existed. Where we got lost, we dead end. It was Denny Blaine Park. Wow. And we, we didn't even know that there was a Denny Blaine Park. And it was just at the moment that I said, I hear the song on the radio, but I want something so clear. Mm-hmm. And we'd like, look, and we're yeah, like, we're oh like, my. oh my gosh. Like it says Blaine on this big massive sign. <laughs> it's like, I had no idea there was a Blaine Park. Denny Blaine Park. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I hear I'm like, you. okay. And so like, for me, that was it. I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to question. So when mm-hmm. the song comes in, um, his football number when he played was number 53, um, it's wild when just a moment the 53 appears for all of us. So now we're to the point where we, we, we thank them, we acknowledge them and we like go on. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. you've got. And, and then like certain things started happening around the house after he passed. Like he was, uh, he was always very hand, like sort of a touchy feely person. So like if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking or something and he had to move past you, he'd either put his arm on your shoulders. He wouldn't just try to squeeze past. He'd like, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm behind you type thing. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. But he had his hand, and, uh, like your hand on your shoulder. But he was always like, uh, had to have his hand. Like he was, which I'm not that way. I'm the absolute opposite. I'm like, I would, if there was like a six inch, I would just squeeze by. Go like that. But, and so there was physical things. touch, love language. Just yeah. like me. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like washing clothes and getting clothes out of the, the dryer. And I bent over, like pulling stuff over. And then I immediately like, somebody's like right behind me. Like I can feel their energy. And so like I turned around and there was like a hand on my back, like, like he was trying to move her and she doesn't do that. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's, I feel his presence. Like he's behind me touching my back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's just so, but then I had chills and I was like, well, that's odd. And I told her about it. And then uh, just a whole bunch of little things with the kids kind of sensing him around our, our dog, he was, when he passed, he was actually walking our dog in the neighborhood and wow. was holding on to our dog's leash because he didn't want the dog to get away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our dog just never did it before, but now all of a sudden he's staring off into like corners of the room and like wagging, and his, wagging tail. his tail like crazy wow. looking into a corner with no furniture, no nothing. Yeah. And just like going crazy and wiggling and just <laughs> looking at it. And I'm like, and we'd be like, come on, come sit. And he wouldn't sit. He would just look in the corner and like wag his tail. Like he was like, he saw someone he knew. Yeah. It was wild. And, uh, and then, so then there, there came a day where I was taking my oldest son to a baseball tournament in, in a town North of Seattle, about 30 miles. And we get into my truck and my truck had navigation, but we weren't using it. I knew exactly where we were going to go. And, uh, we're driving along the freeway early morning, early morning. It's like five 30. I was going to drop them off at six o'clock for a seven o'clock game. They would warm up for about an hour before the, the game would start. And we're driving along the freeway and my son's sitting in the passenger seat and we're center of the freeway. We're going to be on the freeway for a while and no turns or anything. And all of a sudden the navigation goes blame. And I was like, what? The radio wasn't even on because it was so early in the morning. We weren't listening to music. And I like looked at my son and he's like, did the radio, the car just say Blaine? <laughs> and I'm like, that is so crazy. And there's no Blaine roads or Blaine anything around that area. And uh, I was like, wow, that's really strange. And then we kept on driving and, and my son's like, yeah, it's really weird. And then we're driving maybe for another four or five miles and then all of a sudden said, does it again? He goes, Blaine, like really clear. And he goes, oh my gosh. My son's like, oh my gosh, I just said it again. <laughs> He's like, that is just crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that's really weird. So we get to the park. I drop him off. It's like six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to just sit here for an hour waiting, you know, in the parking lot. So I'm like, I'm going to go find some coffee. Like there's got to be a Starbucks around here. So I go pull out of the, the school parking lot and 
and get around to like this highway and it's about three lanes each direction and there's you know gas stations it's it's the old uh 99 route what used to be the north south route all the way through california through washington and i'm driving along and then i see a bunch of buildings off to the left so i'm like oh i'm gonna get a left-hand turn lane and i'm at a four-way stop not much traffic like cars every once in a while and uh i'm at this intersection there's gas stations on each corner and i'm in the left-hand turn lane and i'm like i got to so I pull my phone out and I'm like looking, I'm like typing in Starbucks and all that. And, and, and is this out. a stop signs or traffic lights? Or? Traffic lights. Yeah. Okay. Four way intersection traffic lights. And I'm like looking up on my phone, like there's gotta be coffee here, you know, to the left somewhere. And all of a sudden I get this overwhelming feeling. It just happened automatically split second. I'm at the red turn arrow and I just stomped on the gas pedal. And I was in a, a Ford Raptor, a really big, powerful truck. And it immediately tire burned out, slammed, went all the way out into the intersection and just came to a stop in the middle of the intersection. So I ran the red turn light and I'm still looking down. I didn't look up to see if traffic was coming or anything. And I just hit the gas took my foot off the brake, slammed on the gas. And when I knew what was happening, I hit the brake again. So now I'm stopped in the middle of the intersection. Well, unbeknownst to me, because I was looking at my phone, a a car coming the opposite direction with a family of four was driving along. It was a, a GMC SUV and they were doing maybe 55 miles an hour, maybe 60. They were driving, they were going through the intersection and a car happened to run the red light cross the, traffic cross traffic. The car was a, like a white Honda Accord. It ran the red light, never stopped the GMC truck T-bone that car, that car went airborne. It got hit at 55, 60 miles an hour, went in the air over my truck and landed on the hood of the car that was behind me at the light and literally crushed the hood. It was a red Saturn, uh, you know, older car and it landed right on the hood of the car. And I'm still in the middle of the intersection. Didn't see any of this happen. And I put it in park because I heard all the commotion and I saw the, the, the SUV now in the intersection with the whole front of it just crushed. And I put it in park to go see, you know, kind of help these people in the SUV. They obviously got into an accident, but I didn't see the accident. And as I was getting out of my truck, the guy that was in the car that was flying in the air was a, a tall, uh, kind of heavy set Persian guy. Got out of the car step he like opened his door even though completely totaled car got off the the hood of the car that he was on was running into the intersection with his hands in the air and it just happened a split second i get out of the truck and he grabs me and starts hugging me and goes oh my gosh i'm so he's like he's like praise be to allah he's like so i'm so happy that you're alive and i'm like 
what are you doing? You're hugging me. And, and this guy's just so excited, hugging me tight. And I'm like, what what's happened? going on? What happened? And he goes, a huge accident. He goes, I ran the red light. And I'm like, okay, what happened? And he goes, that car hit me. I was in the air flying. He goes, all of my airbags went off. He goes, except the passenger side. And when I was in the air, the only thing I could see out, he, he could see outside of his car was the top of my head. And he thought his car was going to land in my front windshield. Which it would have. And which it would have. Yes. And so what ran through his mind, he's going to kill me. And it's all his fault because he ran that red light. And so he was flying in the air, saw me looking down at my cell phone and thought the car was going to land right on, the, on my windshield of my truck and kill me. And all of a sudden I hit the gas and was gone. And so his car flew over where my truck was and landed directly on the car behind me and didn't hurt the person in the car behind me. Nobody was hurt. He was fine. The people in the SUV were fine. And by this time we're all standing in the center of the intersection and people started that saw the accident from the gas stations on both sides were running into the middle of the intersection going, Oh my gosh, who's hurt? Who's hurt? And nobody's hurt. And they're looking at me going, why did you do that? How did you get out of the way? Like one of the guys at the gas station said, I thought you were going to be dead. Like there was a car in the air flying at your car. And all of a sudden you moved out of the way. And he goes, what they're like, did you see it coming? And I'm like, no. I didn't see it coming at all. And I, later on, not till like way later, I called her and I was like, yeah, this weird thing happened. And then I told her about the Blaine thing that happened earlier. And she's like, I bet those are connected. It was like, about five minutes before, right? Yeah. It was only like yeah, 15, yeah. 15 minutes before that I, we were hearing this Blaine, Blaine, Blaine thing. And I have no idea what push push why I would hit a gas pedal when I'm at a red because if I didn't know if they had a green cross traffic I had no idea I was just knew my light was red and I could have got t-boned or uh, got a caused an accident and uh, yeah it was just a weird like something took over some push you know made me hit the gas and go out to the intersection and uh and having that many people tell me oh my gosh you should you should be dead like at the time I, like, when this man came to you and said what like i thought i was going to kill you what did it were did it even register that that you had stepped on the gas or were you still kind of in shock of what i was sort of in shock because well first of all Honestly, the, the biggest shock was that this guy I don't even know ran from an accident scene to come hug me. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And then my head's on a swivel going, what happened? Like, I saw the SUV, yeah. didn't see his car, but when I turned around where he was running from, the lady was getting out of her car and had a car on her hood. And that car was just totaled. And, uh, and then people were like, telling the story from the gas station. This guy was like, I was filling my truck, saw it all. He's and, like, I'll be a witness. <laughs> and and the, the guy that ran the red light, he wasn't, he's like, I'm, I didn't see the red light. I just drove right through it. It's my fault. And I'm so, he goes, I don't care. I'm so glad I didn't kill this guy. Mm -hmm. And 
That's all he cared about. And, and the people that, that T-boned the car was like, I can't believe that car went into the air like that. Like it flew from the middle of the intersection where they T-boned it all the way enough to land on a Raptor hood. But I was under it, took off and landed on that car behind us. I had that much energy that it, you know, it would have taken the whole cab of my truck. And since I wasn't looking, it would have just crushed me. And uh, not only did nobody was nobody killed, nobody got severely injured. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. You know, the, the three cars were pretty much totaled and my car didn't have a scratch on it. And I'm still parked in the middle of the intersection and cars are going around and the whole bit. And by this time there were, there was probably eight or nine people standing around in the middle of the intersection. And, and then I didn't know what to do because I'm like, I'm not hurt. I'm a witness, but I can get back to the baseball game. Like I'm out here. Like, I, don't need I just don't want my coffee. <laughs> I don't need to wait for the police to show up. Like I'm, I'm done here. And, but everybody else had to wait cause they're. And yeah. And what's so interesting is so kind of, you know, after the fact, what happened? We don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Something happened. And so you could, we don't know. We, I don't believe in that or whatever. To me, when I looked at that, I'm like, Oh, that's my brother Blaine. Right. Oh yeah. You know, and my brother's type of person, not just Dean, no one's if, you know, no one's going to get hurt. Right. So if he can protect everybody. And so for me, I'm like, I can easily believe that it's my brother. Just like someone can go, Oh, I don't believe any of that hocus pocus. Mm -hmm, And so for me, I'm like, it was my brother. Right. And, and he continues to look after us. And so, how you can hear that story and not believe that that was divine intervention and that was an absolute miracle. And that was the spirit of your brother from not just like what led you to hit the gas that clearly ended up saving everybody. So many lives. I mean, this man isn't going to prison for involuntary manslaughter. There's not another family that was uh, killed and injured, but then also, um, to, to hear the blame, both you and your son heard exactly. it. And it has never done it again. Yeah, it's never done it again. It, 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 yeah, it never happened. We never heard that come out of the truck again, that name or anything. And mm. and that's where, you know, we were thinking like, well, it could have been my uncle. It could have been my grandfather that passed. Or like who did, but we only, we heard Blaine twice it, right before that happened. So mm-hmm. it had to have been him. And, he was just like, you know, now that he passed, he's not going to let the father of, he saw my boys like his kids. He's not mm. going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. So he, he intervened in some, some way. And then I was, I was just shocked. Like, why would I hit the gas when I'm not even looking? I'm still looking at my cell phone, know that it's a red light and just stomp and not just barely hit you the pushed. gas. I stomped on the gas. My tires were like doing a burnout. Like I launched into the intersection wow. and, uh, it was just, it was unexplainable and you, you just have to immediately go to, yeah, there was a plan and intervention there. And that was my clip and all the years of my life up until then, that was my only near death experience. I was, I was in the Coast Guard for 10 years and did tons of harrowing rescues and all that. Never had I been closer to death than that, that point. 
and not that I knew it, but I've never had so many people say you should be dead now. Like people at the gas station thought it was dead. They're like, you should be dead. Like, why did you, why did you push the gas? Like, and they were walking away just hands in the air, like shocked. They thought that they heard such a loud crash. I mean, when a car goes flying and lands on another car, that's a loud, super loud, uh, accident. And, uh, so the you know the the bystanders were just shocked. Like nobody's heard in this thing. Uh, the only guy that should be dead was me, and uh, just really really strange. But it's so cool that multiple people got to witness that in the end because it really is a, a witnessing a miracle. Yeah, it, it was. It was just. And then yeah, so then I, it, like any other day, like. I didn't even go get coffee after that. I was so shocked. And then I drove back to the baseball field and watched my son play baseball and, and told one of the other moms, uh, Anissa couldn't go to that game. And I told one of the moms what happened. She goes, Oh my gosh. She's like, that's like, and she knew Blaine. And she goes, that's mm. something he would have done. Like, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, so between those things happening and that was before Anissa's journey into, into some of this and, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, the other thing that Anissa really didn't cover when her journey started, she had zero belief she could do this, even though people told her she could do this, uh, that psychic told her, uh, it, you know, she was part of this intuitive coaching curriculum class and, and they, the owner of that system told her that, you know, you've got ability and she could tell. And, and he says like, well, I don't even know if I should be part of this class because I don't have any intuitive ability. <laughs> but she immediately started having intuitive abilities. And, uh, and then we argue all the time. She's like, well, anybody could get certified in Reiki and, and totally heal people. She's like, it, that's just the way it works. And I'm like, no, that's not the way it works. Like if I go to get certified Reiki, I'm not going to be healing people like she does. It just doesn't. So that's kind of my next chapter. I think I'm going to be teaching people. I believe everybody can do this. Mm. I disagree, but I think she's got an innate ability to, to channel energy and she has intuitiveness and things like that. And, uh, and it just shows time and time again. But then she argues back that, well, maybe it's just my mindset. I got to be more open and, and believe I can do it or those people need to believe that they can do it. And then they'd be able to do it. The more, the more I connect with, uh, intuitives and healers, the more they will side with Anissa where that, that is how humans are designed to be is to be able to heal ourselves and, and that's, I think, half of the message is that we're capable of doing so. Yes. But there's no question people like yourself are here on this planet to help awaken the rest of us to our own gifts. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And that's what she keeps throwing at me. And she goes, well, just because you think you can't heal people, that's your limiting belief. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I, granted, I'm full of limited belief. <laughs> I didn't believe my ear. A hearing would come back, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm more towards my personality is more towards to having a ton of limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and, and, uh, yeah, 
But yeah, I, until it's proved otherwise, and then I'll believe. And yeah, you know, and I believe, you know, kind of what Lindsay said. Like I believe I am here to help to teach others, um, and I do believe everybody has within themselves the ability to heal themselves mm-hmm. every day. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of my next. What I'm going to be taking on is really um, teaching people what what I do for my clients, how my clients can do that every day for themselves. And so, absolutely, yep, that's cool. Yeah, that's the that's the next journey. That's the next part of my journey. So you know, it's kind of like you get to a certain point where, like, you know, I've got clients, I'm doing energy healing, and then I get this next calling of, oh, now you got to go do this, and it's a rinse and repeat because immediately I'm like. I can't teach. Like I do the, I'm not a teacher. I can't teach. And then I walk, you know, and then some of my clients, I talk to them about if I were to offer a course or if I, everyone's like, absolutely. I want to know, I want you to teach me how I can do this myself. Mm. And so I'm Mm. on that next, that next part of the journey. Yeah. And like I referenced before, it's, it's sort of like working out because, you know, she's, she was uh, doing some work on my mom. And my mom would come over to the house and she could barely walk. She had foot pain and her feet are killing her and all that. And she was doing, you know, the, uh, the different, uh, the energy, healing the energy techniques. healing and techniques and all that. And then she'd tell my mom exactly what she was clearing and that she had certain anxieties and things like that that were causing this pain. And then at the end of the session, my mom's like, literally walking around our house on the tile floor stomping and goes, Oh my gosh, feels a hundred percent better. I'm like so good. And I feel great. Thanks. And then she goes away. And then three days later she goes, Oh, I can't walk again. And then Anissa goes, well, we literally drilled down into what your thoughts were at the time that's causing this. She goes, what were you thinking? And my mom goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that. And she's like, well, that's why your feet are hurting again. And she's like, yeah, I'm guilty. I was thinking of that. So why it, it's like when you're working out and you're like, oh, I can lift 110 pounds, but I can only do it five times. Well, you're only going to do it five times. Mm-hmm. If you go, oh, I could do this 25 times and you believe it and you own it and you can do it. And so if your mindset goes back to whatever the limit you put on yourself that's where you're going to hit that limit. Well, and the way I understand it is it's not that we're never going to encounter those things again, but, uh, and often they will come and resurface, uh, an opportunity for us to experience those same emotions to almost give us the opportunity to, to respond to them differently. Absolutely. And I've, there was one, I think rejection was one of the things I was working with. Um, during our section session, um, that came back (laughs) and, uh, and I let myself feel the emotions of it and let those pass through me. But it was such a quick turnaround where I could now see how it was for me. And, and, and that's, you know, how we got to approach everything. This isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. And once I was able to do that, Um, it, it showed me a kink in my, uh, in one of the processes I had in my business. And I was like, well, see, had that not happened, I would have kept, you know, 
going on this path without fixing this kink. And now this is better for all people involved. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like, you know, the, the saying that you can only, uh, you can react differently to these things. Like, like you're still going to have, you know, we're all damaged from childhood in some sort of way, you know, and, you know, it could be rejection or anxiety or, you know, how we're raised or, or, you know, whatever. And that's always going to keep coming back. You can't change the past. It's going to, but you can try to react differently. And then what Anissa helps is giving you the tools to identify what's causing, you know, what's behind my knee pain, what's behind this. And even if it's a physical thing, uh, there's typically energy, like, you know, when your knee's hurting, there's energy pumping through that knee that's causing Mm -hmm. that hurt. That's what's getting back to your brain going, oh, my knee hurts. Mm -hmm. And if it releases, you know, you could have emotions tied to it. You can have all kinds of different things tied to it. And by identifying that and saying, your knee hurts because you were hit as a child or whatever, uh, when it comes up and your your knee starts hurting, you can kind of rationalize like, oh, I'm going to react to this differently. And, you know, try to retrain your subconscious like, like, I don't want to feel that same pain of, of what was stored, stored there. And it's not saying that that's easy. You can just switch it no. off, right. but you can, at least now you've identified the cause, you know what you need to work on. And there's you an can, awareness there. There's an awareness there. And then once you're aware, you can, React. there's plenty of different options of reacting differently until you reach a, a good point where it doesn't happen. I just shared something on my story the other day, and I I want to give this gentleman credit, but I don't remember his name or his book. But um, hopefully someone will know listening and they can reach out to me so I can share it. But um, he, he talks about if you look at any movie um, where there's a villain and there's a good guy, uh, typically they, they all have some sort of trauma. You know, the villain might have a scar on his face or he has something a trauma from childhood. Um, and the only difference between the two is how they respond to their pain. So the villain says, I'm going to make them pay for the way that I was, has been treated. And the hero says, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. I love that. So powerful. And it, it, you know, it just gives, it's, it's so empowering to realize that, even though we can't control what was done onto us, we can always control how we respond to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, those villains get their energy off of that pain. Right. You know, have that, you know, she says there's no negative energy, but they take that energy and consciously turn that into, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't go out there to be bad without having the energy of blame and all kinds of other things that mm-hmm. you can, you can, you know, or you just be sitting watching TV and not being bad. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. You've got energy in you to go and do the things, to go rob a liquor store, to go, you know, mm-hmm. assault somebody. That energy comes from somewhere. But mm-hmm. then the person that's a good guy pulls that energy in a totally different direction. And right. I totally agree with that. That's yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you can do that same thing with the scenario you just talked about, about being the hero or being the villain. Villain. You can even do that in your in your own life. Are you the villain of your own life? Mm. Right? Because a lot of people hold on to what has happened to them and they hold on to it and they want to relive it, right? And yep. they 
they're the villain versus or blame others and yeah, the yeah. victim of the villain versus yeah. you can be the hero of your own story. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, like, I just told her a, a quote I just saw recently that, uh, that, you know, whatever's happened to you in your life, it's your fault. <laughs> and, I love it. And it's true. I mean, bad things are going to happen to you and you can either blame, you can, ha- you can have that negative energy and, yeah. uh, and some horrific things could happen to you. But if you don't let it go and just take ownership of it, even though you had nothing to do with the actual ownership of it, mm-hmm. it's, you do have ownership of how you can react and how you can carry on and move forward. Well, it's like the saying, do you want this to be a footnote or do you want this to be a chapter title? So is this something you are going to use to create the story of your life and who you are? Or is this something that could be a blip on the radar? It was unfortunate, but look at all the work I've done to move past that and make things better after the fact. Exactly. Yeah. And if you are where you, you are, if you are where you are because of you, right. You can also, so flip it, move forward, look forward and feel empowerment. You now can create the life that you want, right? Yeah. It's like taking that ownership and responsibility. Yeah. And, wh- and one of the you. most powerful things too, is like, uh, Anissa turned me on to affirmations, like in the mm. morning when you get up and you have all the, you say these things mm-hmm. and she was making me say them. It's the five, and, uh, five Reiki principles. And yes. like, I will not be to, just for today. I will not be angry. And that there's plenty of other principles. She can list them all, but, uh, and by saying that to yourself in the morning, I wouldn't say like, I'm a overly road rage type of person, but going on the road and people are like cutting you off or doing whatever that gets into your subconscious that that morning you said that. And then, so I'm getting ready to be pissed off. And, and And the first thing that pops into my mind, instead of like, Oh my gosh, what a jerk. First thing that pops in my mind is I'm like, Oh crap. I said that this morning. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to be angry. And then, so then I just like, Oh yeah, I said that this morning. So I can't be angry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then it's weird. It just pops right into your mind that you said that this morning. And so you can, there's different tricks that you can train your brain into reacting differently. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and that was so powerful because it, to the point of sometimes I'll get up and tell her, oh, I don't want to do affirmation. I, I want to be angry today. Like, I'm not going to say it today. Not and then she goes, no, I'm going to say it today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying it today. I might be angry today. But I but I love it. It's, you know, it's for today only. Yeah. Right? You know, and yeah. we're human. The day could happen and you did get angry. So tomorrow we're going to get up and we're going to say for today only. Right? And there's only five. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. But it's five. Yes. Okay. So the five Reiki principles are for di- for today only, I will not worry. For today only, I will be grateful. For today only, I will not be angry. For today only, I will be the best version of myself. And for today only, I will be kind and loving to all living things. Mm. There's That's just five. Powerful. And yeah. it's just and, for today. And they're super powerful because, I mean – you know, like before traveling and going to the airport, you say it and say, I will not worry. Well, I'm super like, Oh, I'm going to be late. I'm gonna, but you say that and it's like, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it just changes your subconscious and 
literally it's the first thing that pops when something like I want to worry, like, I, Oh, I think we're going to be late or something. It pops back into my mind that I said that in the morning mm. and, and that pops into my mind before I get to the point of worrying or the point of anger or something like that. It's, it's in just unexplainable how powerful that is. Yeah. My favorite one is the, I will be grateful. Right. You know, mm. if you're, if you're traveling and there's traffic, like mm-hmm. you've got to be grateful that you're in a position, like you're traveling. You're right. going somewhere, right? Like it's, right. sometimes we, we forget this, the little details, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you have a vehicle to take you from, you know, A to Z exactly. and you might be dealing with traffic, but yeah. You're, yeah. you're at a restaurant and it's crowded and you're not getting service the way that you, you expect. Well, be great. Well, look where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like the worry part, you know, 90% of the things you worry about are never going to come to fruition anyway. Right. And so you spend a whole bunch of energy worrying about stuff that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. and then that worry leads to stored emotions and all, you know, it's just a right. snowball of wrecking your health. And mm-hmm. same with anger, right? You, you know, getting angry at a guy that cuts you off on the on the highway, you know, sometimes I want to be angry, so I don't say the affirmation, but, but <laughs> it, it's not healthy because yeah. all you're right. going to do is like, there, there's nothing positive coming out. Like he's going to forget about it in five minutes. Yeah. No, you know? and I, I'll do this with my kids. If there's somebody who passes around me really quickly and it seems, you know, super obnoxious and ag- aggressive, you know, I'll sigh or something right away like huh you know because i'm frustrated that he would seem to be driving pretty reckless yeah but then i will out loud say to them you know maybe he's rushing home to a sick child maybe his mother's in the hospital and he has a short amount of time to get there and you know we can never anticipate why people make the decisions that they do but if we just assume uh best intentions yep it alleviates so much unneeded stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you just said is that being loving and kind to all living things, just giving people the grace. Like, yeah. we don't, we don't know their story. Mm-hmm. So like, if you needed to cut me off, there you go, go, yep. you know? Yep. yep. So, you know, we're not, it's just try. Yeah. We just try. We just try. Yeah. I definitely do. I definitely feel frustrated first. And then I catch myself. I'm like, okay. And then I have to talk it through in front of my kids, you know? Yeah. At least modeling the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's getting rid of those emotions and things that don't serve you. I mean, yeah. It doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. Like to right. be angry yeah. or to worry. Yeah. You know. Right. Letting yourself process that. Yep, I felt frustration. Okay, great. You know, yes. take a deep breath, breathe it out. Well, I think of it also like clouds in the sky. Mm. Right. I don't need to take it, hold on to it and bring it into my body per se. Right. I'm just like, yep, got it. Let it go. Yes. You can observe it and know, you know, where it's coming from, but let it pass just as easily. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for your next journey of helping other people to recognize their own gifts. Uh, You know, there is, I think there is a, huge surge of light workers uh on this planet um and there are people like you who came in with a mission with these bright auras that just attract people and even if we have these gifts um even if we all are capable of healing ourselves there's no question 
that there are conduits like yourself that are here to awaken us to all of that. And so for that, I'm super grateful. And it's so awesome to watch people in their gifts, which you absolutely are. But I also want to thank you for like what you're doing here. Like you're allowing people to tell their story. And so thank you so much for this invitation. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the kind words. And it, it really is a, a pleasure and a joy um, to be able to just spend time hearing people's powerful stories and the, the cool things they're doing. Mm-hmm.